Welcome to Wake Up Winden, where I am back to cover the Beforeiner Season 2, Episode 2. I'm your host, Brian Hickey. So sorry it's been a minute since the last episode. Needed to take a little bit of a break, but I am back. Gonna finish up Beforeiners. Got some time off of work for a little bit, so trying to get a few of these episodes done and out so we could finish up some coverage of the Beforeiners. So, uh... Welcome back, and everybody. Um, just a little bit of background, if it's your, if you if you're finding this podcast for the first time, used to cover Dark on Netflix. That's where the name of the show comes from, and uh, just a little bit of news from that. I don't know if anybody out there saw the 1899 trailer that just got released, but it's looking pretty good. I'm hearing October for a release on that, and I'm definitely gonna want to record episodes about that. So I'm gonna have to. Get, get Jerry on the bat signal and see if we can get some episodes recorded about 1899. So I'm excited for that. So just wondering if anybody saw that. Um, looks like our guy, the stranger from, uh, uh, from dark is in that. So I'm looking forward to that, but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the beforeners today. Uh, so we are back, uh, in the Jack the Ripper world. <laughs> and in this episode, we have Elf Fielder dealing with pretty serious sleepwalking condition, it seems like. Um, our guy Torhund, or Torhund, he is getting framed for the vandalization of King Magnus's grave. Uh, a little bit of a double crossing there by the Volva. And uh, yeah, I had to look up. I've, I've been just referring to her as the witch, but on IMDb, she has the Volva. So I'm just, just reading, what I'm, reading what I'm seeing. Um, and we have the Volva. She kind of uh, is working together with uh, King Olaf to kind of put the blame on Tor. Uh, they put the skull in his uh, in his place of work where they do all these sacrifices with the Volva, and uh, they call the cops and uh, they tip them off. And they're lo and behold, they find the skull, and now Tor is in jail. So trouble for Tor coming up. You know, that had to be, like, a centuries-old beef that was, uh, you know, some comeuppance maybe for Torhund. Uh, we know that he killed a fake Olaf the Stout, according to this version of history. So that's uh, some some definite beef uh, between those. Maybe it feels good for King Olaf to get get one up on uh, Tor. Um, we also have Lars diving deeper onto the Ripper case, even though people don't really seem to believe him. Uh, be it the British police or even his own police force, uh, they're more concerned with things like uh, the wine lottery. So <laughs> uh, they uh, don't—they uh, don't really believe him. But Lars is working closer, and he's uh, definitely putting together some more clues and putting together some more uh, evidence that they're going to have to start taking more seriously coming up soon. So that's all going on, and then. On Lars's family side, we've got Ingrid is pregnant. We learned that last episode, but you know he gets to, uh, she gets to share this news with uh, her family, and as you can predict, Gregor's hands handles it extremely well. Uh, so <laughs> it's good to see Gregor's back season two, even though uh, he was a little bit off the cuff, off the cuff, a uh, little bit too modern of an of an episode for him. He's like, "Give me back to the eighteen nineties. This is a." Uh, there's harlots running around in this time period. <laughs> so he's very upset. But uh, 
Lars is handling it a little bit more maturely, so we, we stand Lars right now. Um, Alright, so, we've also got some big secrets uncovered in this episode. I had speculated before that I think that uh, we had a suspect, uh, <laughs> Mr. Rubenstein, I thought maybe it was Jack the Ripper, but I think in this episode we can lay that to rest. He seems to be hunting him through the centuries, and he uh, we have that crucial scene where he's uh, having a flashback and he's uh, I wrote down Rubenstein is ruminating when he's in the bar uh, he is thinking about how he left all of his earthly possessions maybe with his with the, his rabbi somebody close to him um, and they can pass that on to his family it seems like he's not coming back when I first saw that scene I was like oh did he travel back is he you know going back and forth but it seems like he was uh, just thinking about what had happened earlier, so not a flashback, or not not a not a travel back in time situation for him, but a flashback. I'd mentioned before, Alex. He works at the uh, uh, the Norwegian police office in Oslo, and he's kind of like the IT guy. He is kind of Wenke's sidekick. They kind of uh, talk shit together, stuff like that, uh, make fun of Alfielder, and. He is definitely sus right now. I think Wenke is kind of like a red herring. She's just kind of like really just incompetent and doesn't like Alfielder. She's just kind of a heel. But Alex, you see, is working with the British police. Um, are the British police on the level? We've already had one fake out where it wasn't the British police that came. But we seemingly get the real British police in a Zoom call with uh, the chief and Lars. But uh, why is... Uh, Mr. Mr. Black, I believe his name is, Mr. Henry Black, he's talking with Alex at the end of the episode, and I am just a little bit confused of his, uh, why that they're working together, for what nefarious purposes could this be. It seems like they're trying to keep the Ripper case on the low, because Alex is deleting the, um, the reports that are printed out, um, the, the reports at the end of the episode that are kind of crucial to the case. He's printing, he, he's supposed to go print them out for Lars, but instead he deletes them. So, and he makes contact with the British police. I don't, I don't understand what's going on there. I don't understand how they got together and, you know, what financial gain for, for Alex. It's not like he's working with the mafia. He's working with a different police force. Have to see where that storyline goes. But yeah, I knew he was bad just from the, I, <laughs> from that series I was talking about, Home for Christmas, another Norwegian series, Alex was not a good guy in that, so uh, he's, he's, he seems to be typecasted uh, into <laughs> into this uh, nefarious role. Um, so anyway, uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into the episode. Let's talk about Lars and his search for Jack the Ripper. So we've talked about how Lars is coming down off of the eye drops uh the temproxate. And it seems like a withdrawal symptom is that you get hallucinations. And the hallucinations are so real that he's actually like getting hit in the head. Like, the show doesn't want us to believe that Odin is really there. Uh, right? I mean, I know, like, that some amazing stuff happens in this show. Like, the <laughs> the three different uh, time travel wormholes. Like, I get it, right? Like, some unbelievable stuff happens in this episode. But I really... I really can't imagine that Odin is really here. We've already seen Lars hallucinate about the other Asturu man, and he helped him crack the case. 
So it's kind of like it's Lars' subconscious talking to him. It's a trope that's done in a lot of TV shows. I don't know if I really love it, to be honest. Odin is unsettling, <laughs> and uh, maybe we're supposed to feel that way. But she, it's always just like, I don't know, it's just kind of like a spooky scene. Like, Lars is always home by himself. Like, you wish he had a roommate almost, so like that he wouldn't keep getting visited by these, by these uh, different people from his psyche. But I, it just doesn't really work for me. It's like Sag helping him crack the case. Lars, um, he he gets help from Odin, right? Like she's like making him Google the uh, uh, about uh, Isaac Ben Joseph, or she's the one that like we see Odin is the one that clues him in to the library card, and we see that it comes from a mental health facility in the UK, and that leads Lars to get a name. Uh, not Dr. Rubenstein or Mr. Rubenstein, but it's actually Isaac Ben Joseph. And I did a little bit of digging. I couldn't quite find... There seemed to be like a lot of Joseph suspects in the actual Ripper case, but I couldn't quite find uh, Isaac Ben Joseph just in my like little Google pre preliminary searches. But uh, it's an interesting character that, um, of course, there would be people hunting for him in the time, like trying to stop these atrocities from happening. And it's interesting that we get somebody brought back from the 1800s and they're trying to solve this case too but we know it didn't all go well for isaac ben joseph in his you know quest to hunt him down obviously he ended up in a mental health facility at some point we don't know how that happened um but he has clawed his way to a fake position at MI6, where he is undercover with the... He works with the Neo-Luddites, right? We saw that. Uh, not the Pilgrims, as I've been scolded about, but the Neo-Luddites. And we know that he works with them because he sees, we see them... We see him make contact with Dr. And, I believe was the character's name. Uh, he is the guy on the farm. He's sending the carrier pigeons. He seems to be one of the bosses of the Neo-Luddites, him and Ada, who we haven't seen. Uh, in season two yet so we have all this going on and we have uh his accomplice she is um not precious clark we meet the real precious clark there's only one precious clark darling and she's uh, she's not her this is um her name her name is adapero abeka and i believe she was a time immigrant as well and she was from Nigeria, I believe they said in the episode. I'd have to go back and double check that. But she is not the real Precious Clark. And she and Dr. Not, not Dr. Rubenstein, but Isaac Ben Joseph, they get picked up uh, by a contact who is also a double agent. A lot of double agents going on. She works at the Borgen newspaper. More on that in a second. But they end up going to Dr. Ann's farm. And they are going to do what there i don't know exactly but they all are together they're seemingly on the same page uh it seems like dr and was like a little bit hasty like oh they're not coming my plan isn't working like there's all this secret messaging and coding with uh dr and the, the score when they have dr and on the screen is really spooky really good i think probably the best music on the show and it gives me some serious dark vibes Especially, like, when they're in the 1800s and the 1920s and dark. Uh, definitely, definitely similar vibes to that. Um, so, we have... Uh, they're all together. And we know that... 
But things aren't all gravy with this group because Dr. Anne seems a little bit put off by Isaac Ben Joseph. Maybe like kind of like a fight for who's in charge here because he wants to kind of learn about the project and Isaac Ben Joseph, IBJ, he's like, I don't share information about my project with local operatives. And you could tell this is a slight to Dr. Anne. He's like, local operative, that's all I am. And so he's very upset about this, some discord between the two of them, some discontent. So we'll see what happens with those two. I believe that's the last scene in that episode with them. So the report that they, uh, that the Luddites got had, uh, three of the girls on, like three, three different girls. I was thinking maybe that they're either sadly victims of Jack the Ripper or, somehow connected to the case. Maybe they disappeared in the 1800s, too. Um, maybe they're part of the Neo-Luddites, but those were, like, the three reports that Alex deletes at the end of the episode. So um, I'm going to need more information on that storyline. But I really do... I like the score a lot, and I wanted to shout that out for the episode. It's really spooky every time we go to that farm. And I don't quite know what's going on, but I definitely am enjoying it. So I mentioned the Borgen newspaper. We get a lot of uh, scenes of the Borgen in this episode. And first of all, I love uh, kind of they're bringing the old-timey newspaper back. I mean, what a time. Like, uh, newspapers thought they were dead, but, like, all they need is, like, an injection of people from the 1890s and, like, good to go. So <laughs> you got the boys like, Borgen! Extra, extra, read all about it, right? That's, like, the vibes you get from it. Haley's Comet's coming around. No. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> Jack the Ripper, back at it again. We get a piece of mail from Miss Winter, and it's good to see Miss Winter back, and unless I'm very much mistaken, she is the same reporter who was, um, you know, grilling the cops in season one about the uh, killing of all of the time immigrants and she was, you know, crucial to, like, you know, putting some pressure on the cops. So it's good to see her back in the episode. But she gets a really bad, disgust disgusting piece of mail, uh, what turns out to be a dolphin's clitoris. Uh, later on in the episode, we find out. But she opens that up, and she calls the cops. Like, they get the cops involved into it. So naturally, Lars and Elfielder are on the case. And they end up... Uh, taking it to the morgue, where we've been to the morgue so many times in the show, like probably like six or seven times. But anyway, the morgue uh, at the morgue, they discovered that it was actually a dolphin's clitoris, not a human clitoris. So that was uh, it. Would they said it was because it was the most similar? It's very disturbing. I don't know. I don't know why, because like we know Jack the Ripper is like killing his victims in like such a gruesome way. I don't even want to get into it, but. Yeah, it's just so messed up, right? And later on, we find out that one of the reporters who works here there, the woman with the number eight hat, great Normcore hat, by the way, but she also, like, she'll trade that number eight hat for, like, you know, like, the Pilgrim bonnet, and she's the one who um, puts IBJ and uh, the fake Precious Clark, she puts them into the uh, carriage, of course, the Neo-Luddites, you know, can't use a car, and she's the one that takes him to Dr. Ann, and she, like, says, hey, the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the way's on foot, um, but anyway, she works at Borgen, so, like, I feel like she has something to do with this, and, uh, very interesting that we have somebody working at the Borgen who is involved with the Neo-Luddites. 
And, of course, the Neo-Luddites seem to be wanting to stop all technology. They're in a war against technology, seemingly. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, one could argue. <laughs> it's, it's led to some messed up things. But, on the other hand, you know, we get podcasts, right? So that's a win. But we are going to talk about Al Fielder next. And we have Al Fielder wrapped up in the case as well. And she is having a tough time. She is sleepwalking. And we saw this, you know, earlier in the show where she's filming herself. Um, we know that this has been going on. And it's a real serious problem for time immigrants. It can lead to death even, right? It could be fatal. So we see her and we get like the comical opening because she's wearing her she's wearing her underwear and she ends up walking to work through the uh, <laughs> through the opening credits with the Ain't No Love song. You know, we dropped it some proxy, but this is a good rebound. I like, I, I, this is a funny scene. Uh, we get everybody like in the car and like the construction workers, they're doing double takes. I got like big Sue Ellen Mischke vibes from Seinfeld. Like we'll have to see if anybody sues her for for wearing for wearing that and uh, causing a crash. I don't know, but anyway, she just waltzes into work eating a sandwich, a huge sandwich, looked look delicious, and all the cops are like, "What the hell? This is against dress code. Um, this is even highly abnormal for Al Fielder." But uh, we learn it's a serious problem, right? And the we have we have two higher ups at the police that we see. We have the chief. I think his name is Haroldson, and then we have his boss. And she's uh, she's the one who is taking this more seriously. I think, and she's the more competent uh, uh, higher up. I would call her. And she uh, is she's watching a video of a woman jumping off jumping off a bridge, and it seemed to be a foreigner, and. We get that she's concerned about Elfielder afterwards because she's asking her. She gets the psych, the psychologist to look after her and to ask questions after her. But she's worried, and uh, it could be it could be really bad for Elfielder. So they want to get to the bottom of this. And Elfielder has been, of course, using um, resources that would have been available to her at her time. She visits she visits the Volva, and we. Uh, we, we, we can tell, you know, maybe, maybe she's not all that's cracked up to be. She seems to be just like, maybe, uh, she kind of wants to get in Elfielder's pants, it seems like, uh, much of the time instead of actually giving a vision. But finishing up, like, the police storyline with Elfielder, Elfielder kind of, like, she's getting grilled by the psych, the psychologist, and she gets out of it by basically calling her a timist. She's like, oh, you're saying that the resources available to my people aren't adequate enough, and the psychologist kind of has to back off because of that. And we had seen the psychologist with Lars. She definitely has, like, the ear of the higher-ups, and she's working closely with them because she was the one who prevented Lars from coming back full-time. He's still working as a consultant. But you can see how clever Elfielder is to kind of flip this on her, and um, it gets Elfielder you know, working on the case still. She doesn't have to take a day off. But I do I do worry for Elfielder. Um, there's a lot of foreshadowing uh, right now with how bad this is. So we're going to have to see where this goes. The Volva probably isn't on her side because I think that Torhund and Elfielder, of course, they were sh she was a shield maiden for him. They're hand in hand. And if the Volva is working against Torhund, by proxy, she's also working against Elfielder, right? So... I don't think she has her best interest in heart. And we see that she goes back to the vulva 
and the vulva shares with her that um, it wasn't a vision, it was actually a memory. She was actually there when Alfielder got picked up in that luminescent vest. So the vulva is sharing that, but she like tells her that like you know if she gets to, uh, if she, <laughs> if she if they can have a little action downstairs, right? She's gonna be able to uh, tell her more. But after they have sex, and it looks like Alfielder's enjoying it, they uh, she's not very forthcoming with it. Uh, and Alfielder's like, what the hell? So, and then only later on in the episode we find out that uh, King Olaf is actually meeting with uh, meeting with the vulva, and we'll have to see to what end this will go to as well. So, like, because, like, what is, like, King Olaf, like, I keep saying, like, is he trying to take over Norway? Like, to what end? Like, I love King Olaf. He's a very funny character. Uh, the scene where he is driving a car is hilarious, and he's talking about how he yields to no one. So, like, I, I was just, like, imagining, like, uh, him in, like, a driver's ed class, and, like, he learns the word yield, and, like, he scoffs, and, like, he, like, you know, talks his two friends in the class, like, King Olaf yields to no one. And then, like, uh, you know, practice makes perfect, and he <laughs> does not yield, almost gets in a crash. He's also talking on the cell phone. It does remind me of Borat when, like, Borat takes out the alcohol, and he's, like, <laughs> the guy's like, you can't drink this, and Borat's like, what? <laughs> like, that's the same thing. King Olaf is taking out his cell phone, and the guy's like, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. So, King Olaf driving is great. King Olaf with the binoculars calling them long eyes and just admiring them. Really funny. He's, he's, a, he's a funny character, but, like, how serious, like, should modern people, like, are we, like, should we be taking this threat seriously? Like, is he a threat? Like, what's, what's the be-all, end-all for King Olaf? Like, the Neo-Luddites, they seem like an actual threat. They're, like, uh, enveloped in shit. Like, they're, like, undercover everywhere. They're, like, destroying technology. Like, they seem like a legit threat. Like, King Olaf, is he, like, gonna ride on this horse to, like, City Hall and, like, you know, like, stab a magistrate there? Like, I don't know, like, what's, <laughs> what's going on with King Olaf? Like, he might get revenge on the, uh, the guy who uh, wouldn't grant him his naming rights, right? But what what is gonna happen with with King Olaf, like, I'm very curious, like, he is getting, like, maybe, like, you know, the King Magnus stuff, like, he's trying to prove his name, like, maybe this will just, like, give him, like, celebrity status, basically, and, like, he'll just, like, live a rich and happy life, but there seems to be more than that, uh, for this, sh for this show, so I'm really curious to see what's gonna happen with, uh, Olaf the Stout, and where they're gonna go with that character, so... Um, he's obviously, like, wrapped up with, uh, Madeline, uh, that's Ingrid's friend. We see Madeline, like, just briefly, she's laying in bed with him after he, like, successfully frames Torhund, so she's still very much in the show, and, uh, like, she was kind of key at the end of the last season, too, like, they're still, like, looking into, like, the, you know, what happened to her, like, in that time period, and, like, she seems to be pretty crucial, to maybe, like, uncovering some secrets uh, about the foreigners. So that stuff was good. We see the police are, you know, trying to hide that Jack the Ripper, like, any mention of him, even though, like, Lars definitely believes that this is the case. The radio doesn't mention Jack the Ripper at all. Uh, you can see that, like, the case is a priority, but they don't want it to be, like, Jack the Ripper. They don't want to cause, like, a public hysteria. Um, which, which it would, right? That would be pretty scary if Jack the Ripper was, uh, was, was here in, with modern capabilities. So, 
they they don't take it seriously. But like we also see like that the maybe like the police force in general isn't taking things seriously. I mentioned that there was a wine lottery and Lars is kind of scoffing when that's happening. But you also have and like I actually think this is kind of cool. Like they have like a corporate training um about uh like like timism, right? Like they have like a guy who is from like the Norse period and he is you know, like, a, like giving a corporate training about how to not be racist, basically, right? But uh, I just thought it was, like, the, the show is always doing things that, like, are, like, treating the world like, if this happened, like, what would happen in the world? Uh, if we suddenly had people from different time periods, like, what would the social ramifications be? Uh, what would life be like for people who uh, time-traveled? And the truth is, like, they wouldn't be treated very well. And, like, you would need these trainings probably to get them, you know, more, uh, just, like, to, to have a level of respect and, like, to, to, like, make people aware, right? So, really, really interesting that that's going on, but I think it's, like, kind of underlined that, like, I think, I think, Lar I think, again, Lars is complaining, like, why are they having this, like, when we should be focusing all our resources on this Jack the Ripper case? So, Lars is taking it super seriously. Uh, even though he's got a lot going on with, like, his withdrawals and, like, with his family life, right? We have the scene where we have Ingrid going to tell Lars, and I always think it's interesting, like, shows cut away uh, from, like, you know, the big information being revealed. Like, Game of Thrones did this all the time, where they would, like, there would be, like, something interesting about to happen, like, some conversation that we need to see, but they, like, cut away from it before, like, we see what happens, and we just see the aftermath of that. And maybe in this case it was the right choice because Lars takes it really well. And we see the more interesting conversation between Lars helping Ingrid share with Gregors and Marie. And Gregors is just like besides himself. He is like, this. nope, this is a step too far. This is too modern for me. Uh, you're a harlot. And, you know, bringing out harlot. Har harlot hasn't been used as an insult in a long time. But he brings it out and... Uh, Marie, she's upset, but she definitely, like, is taking it better than Gregor. She tells Gregor to go smoke his pipe, and he's like, I think I will! And so, like, Gregor disappears, and Maria's like, you know, I think, I don't think you should have this baby, but Ingrid really doesn't want to talk about it. She's like, this is all too much right now. Um, oh yeah, the thing that caused Gregor to, like, lose it was that, like, it was a random guy, and he was like, what? Oh my gosh, she could not handle that. Uh, so, like, that, yeah, it's messed up, so... Uh, we, we have all that going on, and and then uh, something that will kind of like tie everything together too is that it's one of Olaf's friends, so like there's like a lot of like interconnectivity between a lot of these storylines. Like we have the Borgen with the Neo the Borgen person working it with the Neo Luddites. We have Olaf is dating Madeline, who is friends with Ingrid who, uh, you know, they're related to the case through Lars. So there's just, like, a lot of things going on, a lot of threads coming together. And I'm still, like, not sure, like, what is, like, like I said, like, King Olaf, like, has a YouTube channel, and he has, like, people that, like, like want to meet him, <laughs> meet him in the sword and sweat instead of on the interweb. But, like, how threatening is he really? Like, I don't know, like, I feel like, I feel like the bigger threat is definitely going to be the Neo-Luddites. And I guess maybe, you know, King Olaf isn't on the radar, right? It's all about Jack the Ripper. And, like, is all the focus on Jack the Ripper going to lead to King Olaf sneaking under the radar? I don't know. 
it's going to be interesting to see. Like, he could definitely get a lot of support from a lot of the foreigners. So, uh, to what end? Like, you know, he doesn't have. Well, maybe he will have access to modern technology because, like, who's to say he wouldn't use what is available to him at the time? But yeah, I'm just wondering, like, like when King Olaf comes at the end of season one, like, it's a really cool moment. Like, he's like marching on his horse and he's got Madeline with him and he's got his sword. And but like, you know, to what end is this going to? Uh, you know, we've seen him upgrade to a car. He's had worse horses between his legs. So he is, you know, becoming a modern man. He's using the binoculars. So maybe we're going to see, maybe we're going to see, uh, maybe he'll surprise me, but I don't know. I, I'd be more worried about the Neo-Luddites for sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a lot of questions still, like Isaac Ben Joseph, like we have, he has that moment in the bar where he, uh, gets in a fight with the uh, Aryan people that are there and that's a great moment like he's asking them for a bottle opener and then like we see the aftermath of that we see him as a black guy but you know he's he made it through I mean it was like one on ten so good on him for uh, making making it out of there uh, Abeka the, his partner she's not happy about that because she is uh, like hey we're supposed to be keeping a low profile here yeah what like, he he doesn't seem to be that like I, I I end up I feel like he's gonna end up being a good guy by the end of the show, but he's working with the neo luddites right now, and I think he's probably gonna double cross them at some point. There's just a lot of double crossing going on in this show, um, so you know, lot up in the air. We still have like the mystery of Elf Fielder. You have to think that'll probably be solved or at least expanded on more, like where she came from, like who her parents in this time. And, like, will her sleeping sickness get solved? Be interesting to see what happens with that. And then Tor hundy has been kind of sidelined this season. He's only in a couple scenes. Uh, he's trying to keep his nose down, it seems like. But he gets framed for that, so he's obviously in a lot of trouble uh, for vandalizing the grave. Like, I don't know what his prison sentence could be. And I know he has Elfielder that's, like, kind of on his side that can help him maybe, like, work through, the, like, the judicious system. But... Uh, he's in trouble right now, and we'll have to see what happens with him uh, coming up. I'm, will he be like part of the opposition that will try to stop King Olaf? We'll have to see. He's got to be pissed about uh, about all this, but I don't know if he understands yet, to be honest. And then another thing I'm really looking forward to finding out more about is like what are the British police doing, and why are they working with Alex, and why uh, why aren't they working with like. Why aren't they working on the level of the Norwegian police? Why aren't they working together? Why does this have to be so secretive? Is it because it's so high profile? Um, you wouldn't think so. Was it another fake-out like Mr. Black, Henry Black, and the real Precious Clark? Maybe they're not on the level either. But, like, that's, like, it's just so many fake-outs. Like, you know, my head's spinning trying to keep all, all this straight. So, um, <laughs> I am looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. So we've got about four more episodes in season two to go. We're going to, again, like I said earlier, I definitely want to cover 1899 when that comes out. So those previews looked awesome. Uh, let me know if you're watching any other cool shows I should be watching. I've been watching a few, trying to get through a lot of them. Uh, I've been watching The Dropout, Russian Doll, uh, Under the Banner of Heaven was really interesting. Love the Wilds. That I just finished season two of that. That show uh, is really fun. Definitely very similar to Yellow Jackets, but they did it first. And uh, yeah, so those are just a few of the things I've been watching. 
currently uh, as I'm trying to wrap up season two of the Beforeners as well. So you know what? You can always get in touch with me, uh, Real Brian Hickey on Twitter. Also, it's Wake Up Winden on Twitter at Wake Up Winden. You can email the show wakeupwinden at gmail.com. And I always look. Uh, I always like hearing from people. So um, having fun just watching the show, wondering about all these mysteries that are happening. Uh, hoping that Alfielder will be okay. Hoping that uh, Lars can stop having these visions. Uh, I'm sick of the visions, to be honest. And it reminded me a lot, sorry, a minor spoiler for The Wilds, but we're at the end of the show, so if you haven't seen The Wilds and don't want to know about it, you can go ahead and end it here. But uh, in The Wilds Season 2, like, you have Ben Folds. <laughs> I swear this is, this is true. Ben Folds is uh, in the show for three episodes, and he's a projection of Leah's psyche. And, like, he's the one that, like, I mean, like, of course it's Leah, but, like, how often does that happen? Like, where, like, you have somebody, like, a vision is, like, telling you what to do and, like, giving you the clues. Like, just doesn't make sense to me. So, I didn't like it in that show, and I don't love it here with Odin. And, uh, just wondering where, what's, what's, what is going on with, uh, with the Odin visions. So, uh, Yeah. Just a lot of questions about the show, but I do love it. I wonder if it'll come back for season three. So, fingers crossed, I guess so. All right, everybody, so that'll do it for me today. Hope you guys are doing well out there. Have a great one. Take it easy. Bye-bye.